Hello, and welcome to episode 203 of the NFocus podcast. I'm your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co-hosts, Sylvia Wassenaar. Hello. And Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello. So lots of Splatoon to talk about this week, because uh, we've had some more Splatoon 3 news, as well as the Splatoon 3 demo Splatfest and a little bit about Harvestella and new indie game Curse to Golf to talk this week. So let's uh, let's get going so we can get to that stuff. The latest Nintendo news in lieu of yet another direct. Nintendo did a Treehouse Live covering Splatoon and Harvestella. The Splatoon segment was focused mostly on the single player mode. Uh, what did we think of this? I... I'm really excited because it looks like they've taken a lot of inspiration from Octo Expansion in presentation and level design. Can you explain that? Because I don't see it at all. It just looks like the single player mode from Splatoon 2 again, whereas the Octo Expansion had a lot of like challenge modes and what felt like mini games at times. Like There was a, a level that was sniping enemies on a giant carousel and things like that. This just looks like back to the Splatoon 2 single player mode i mean you start off with in the little booth that gives you the the options for the different weapons and it's literally the same and um you collect those points you spend points to start the level and then you're Mm. rewarded with um more points depending on you know which weapon set based on difficulty that's right yeah so that's straight out of octo expansion that's right. I remember that now. In Splatoon 2, the base story, you just picked a weapon and you played through the entire campaign with it. And if you finished it, you actually got a special version of that weapon, which I did I did kind of like that. Yeah. It gave me something to work towards. Um, the other thing was the um, there was that ink rail level that they showed off mm-hmm. where they had the bow and they had an ink rail that they were grinding on, you know, like Jet Set Radio. And they had to shoot all the targets. And if you miss the target, you can't stop on a um, ink rail. It just keeps going. So it's all about timing and uh, memory, where everything is. I swear that was an Octo expansion level, but it might have also been a base game level as well. I think all of the levels that they're showing, it, it looked like they were from the second world. The fact that it was that difficult in just the second world tells me that hopefully... It's going to reach that level of challenge that Octo Expansion reached, but only time will tell. I really like the addition of how you use small fry as well. You can, like, yeah. um, they showed that you can, like, so um, you can call them back with, like, the this way kind of taunt move that you get in the uh, online games anyway. But you can, like, throw them at enemies so the enemies are distracted, shoot him, and then you can, like, get behind them and kill them. Can you attack? armored enemies or was that something else but i just I thought it was cool they I, were distracting I, with the small fry yeah. for armored yeah i think i thought he would maybe just follow you about i didn't think he'd actually have something that you know that he could use them for and it was just really cool very well thought thought out uh, i like it It looks like a little cartoon like you know the clouds that appear when characters beat each other up in cartoons mm-hmm. it was just yeah. like that <laughs> it's cute i was kind of hoping that this would excite me for the single player mode in a way that the Splatoon 3 Direct it didn't. Um, it didn't. I'm still completely off the Splatoon train. I'm not even going to bother getting it because I just don't think I'll, I'll enjoy it. But sounds like you two liked what you saw. 
Yeah, and uh, we'll talk a bit about it more, but the Splatfest that they just held yeah. has completely swayed me. And then the second half of the Treehouse live presentation was uh, focused on Harvestella, which I know I know both Rosalie and myself were interested in, and Sylvia has expressed some interest. Sylvia, did this uh, really catch your eye? Are you more excited for it now? So, confession, I didn't actually get to watch this part because the whole treehouse was on at 2.30am oh. my time. So, <laughs> I caught up on the Splatoon stuff, but I didn't get, get to catch the Harvestella stuff, so I'm really interested to see what you think of it now. It didn't reduce my interest in the game, but I was disappointed to see that this doesn't really seem to be all that different from what Rune Factory has been doing for a long time. It's just got its own graphical style on it. They haven't shown the entire game yet, so it may do its own things further down the line, but uh, the the early gameplay loop they show is like, yeah, this is Rune Factory, alright? Yeah, I was thinking that too. It just looked like a slightly... You know, not a chibi version of Rune Factory. <laughs> What's really weird, though, because I was—I I know it's a Switch ex- timed exclusive. It's a Square Enix game about mainly focusing on like the farming and you can go off and kill things. But they've just introduced that into Final Fantasy fourteen, <laughs> and it just seems like a weird. It, if people had the option, they're gonna rather play the MMO where you get all this extra stuff. It just seems like a weird... I have the option. I don't care. Yeah, I, I know, but I just... Seem, it, it's just bizarre. It's, it seems like a bizarre time to release it. And, at like, pretty much very shortly after they've introduced exactly the same mechanics in a very huge RPG that they also make and own. It's just quite bizarre for me. I think if you're in an MMO, you're in an MMO, and if you're not, you don't hear anything about it. The time of the MMO has passed. <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV is very successful in its own way, but it's not mainstream. I'd argue that it is mainstream. I know plenty of people that can't stand MMOs, but they'd said that Final Fantasy XIV was the greatest JRPG they've ever played because there's such a thing about single player and it actually makes you feel like you're the character, and it is very mainstream. It's got a bigger player base than like World of Warcraft, doesn't there? But it just seems... If you're if you're like a Square Enix fan, you're most likely playing that, and because you Square Enix fans usually just get everything. It, it seems it looks good, but then I don't see what would make it any better for your money if you already had that option, or because there's like Rune Factory, and, and also they didn't confirm if romance options were in it. There, there you can like befriend the people around you, but if it's like a sim game and it doesn't have romance options, that's like. That's like a instant deal breaker for me. I would be surprised if it didn't, but I also would actually be more interested in it if it didn't, because you know then it's doing something different from Rune Factory rather than just outright copying it. But different by having less gaming options. <laughs> like... Well, I'm sure it will have something else to do besides, Maybe. you know, thrusting gifts upon every woman you see until they agree to marry you. I'm sure it'll be in there regardless. Yeah, <laughs> I think if it's not, I would be interested to see what they've done instead. I was hoping more of like a, I don't know. This is maybe like question it more than get like as like interested as I was, and I'm kind of interested to know if it's 
you're just playing a set character with a set story and it's not something you can like, control your own story and because I kind of honestly if, if someone just went right we're doing Stardew Valley but you're an anime character and you get to do your own thing that is like yes please but it looked like there was like a set story and a set thing and I'm like hmm but um, I guess we'll see. I don't think it's a day one thing, but I think I'm just gonna wait. But then luckily all the Splatoon 3 stuff like was interesting, so I was hyped about that. <laughs> all right, so let's just jump into our more Splatoon 3 talk with uh, what we played this week. Now, Rosalie and Sylvia both played the Splatoon 3 demo Splatfest. Uh, I abstained. So why don't you two go ahead and talk about that for a little while? I think most people know what Splatoon is by now. Uh, four versus four. Squids and octopi, pusses, pods, whatever. <laughs> they shoot ink out of water guns and adjacent weapons to claim turf on a map. And whoever has the most turf or ink coverage wins. And this is a particular special event. And it's a little bit different in Splatoon 3 how it was in... Splatoon 1 and 2. Uh, Splatfest is more of the same in a way where you have the turf wars, but you're fighting for a team. This uh, this time you have three teams. It used to be two. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. It's such an inane choice that I felt like everyone was voting more on which idol they liked the best. Oh, yeah. Rather than <laughs> isn't that what people did in Splatoon too though? <laughs> Sometimes there are people who are just repelled by Pearl's design and would just vote for Marina no matter what what the yeah. choice was. <laughs> I, for me, I always vote primarily on the actual choices, and if both choices are just like I don't care or I can't decide, then I base it on the idol. Uh, like this time, I I went with scissors. Because my friends wanted to go with scissors because of Big Man, who's uh, a <laughs> giant manta ray. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was I was Team Rock um, because I don't know actually. I am. Um, I also maybe probably because I like that idol. My favorite. <laughs> Shiv is really cool. Yeah. So the first half of the Splatfest this time is just four versus four. Um, whatever team you pick. It'll be kind of random which of the other two teams you'll pick. It seems like paper was the least popular choice this time around. So I went up against rock mostly. Uh, so it's interesting how they've done it because I, I assume that they've done it so that to reduce mirror matches as they're called. Yeah, mirror matches are basically when your team scissors and you fight another team scissors. So it doesn't really add to the Splatfest. It's just something to do. Yeah, that was annoying. I, I forgot that used to happen. That was completely eliminated in the second half of the Splatfest. How do I describe it? So it's four versus two versus two. So at halftime, the winning team, in this case, in this case it was Scissors for my region, uh, they have a team of four, and they have to defend against two teams of two from the other two teams. There was a lot of numbers. A lot of number twos there. It's bizarre, and it took a while for us to really get our head around it. It is technically a three-way turf war, but it really is all about these ultra signals that appear in the middle. 
Mm-hmm. So the defending team can't claim these ultra signals. They have to defend them from the other two teams. I know Andrew was worrying, um, not worrying, uh, <laughs> wondering how the balance would work. Because it's a team of four versus two teams of two. And defending was really hard because once one of these teams collects the ultra signal, uh, they get a giant sprinkler and it gives them a huge advantage. You can't destroy the sprinkler. It's just this permanent fixture that just sprays that (laughs) team's color ink. Can the defenders not get the ultra signal? The defenders can't get them. Mm. They can only stop the other team from getting them. And I liked that if... If, if the opposite so if you're in a two and then there's a middle team of four and the other two if the other two win that still counts as a victory for you because it's like you're both also up against the middle four yeah so it's three-way in like the thicker battle but the way it determines a winner is like you said um because yeah. you got the defender and then the attacking teams is how they describe it and I can tell you, once we wrapped our head around it, because we were just getting absolutely destroyed for the first yeah. couple of rounds, because we're like, how the hell do we play this? <laughs> once we figured out that we just have to stop the attacking teams from collecting the ultra signals, uh, we were pretty much unbeatable. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Like, by unbeatable, I don't mean like we were winning by huge margins. We were winning by like 1% to 2%. It was by the skin of our teeth, and it was exhilarating. Because yeah. we didn't know who was going to win until right at the end. <laughs> it's incredible. I think it's the most fun I've had with multiplayer Splatoon ever. It's just it does a bit of a poor job of telling you what to do and the strategy for it. Uh, I don't know if he felt the same as an attacking team. Yeah, I was always a defender because I was Team Rock. Cause, yeah, team Scissors won in my region as well. Yeah, so you were an attacker then. Yeah. So you were in a team of two. Mm. Yeah, because I was always the defending team, which is the team of four. Oh. Because the, the, the way they frame it is that the, the team of four is the winning team, so they're defending their yeah. mantle. And so the two attacking teams are the two duos. I was so. rubbish at it until I found someone that was good and they finally added that thing at the end of a match where you can click carry on and if everybody picked that then you're still with the person you played with the match was with before which few finally um so i was with someone called robert robert if you're listening <laughs> gg <Shout laughs> we, we, <laughs> we did really well and it was really really fun um what i liked as well is that when when the tricolor gets added like at a certain point in the day you can still pick the main turf wars as well. You're not forced just to do the tricolor one. You can. Um, I couldn't. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it was, now it, I get it. I see. Yeah, because I was on the defending team. So it wasn't every match, but it was enough of the matches where, you know, every now and then we'd get a, a three color uh, turf war. But it was, you know, I'd say about 50-50. We get in regular matches as well, but we weren't getting mirror matches anymore. Also, we finally know what the holograms are about, which Andrew asked about earlier. And it's actually cool because when you go in the hub world in the pre-existing games, it would just instantly, the little kind of like the tower, it would just instantly bring about all the different modes. But now when you go in there, 
it's now the training it's also where you get the um now it's like a glob fish where you can get the add-on so you get more experience and the little meals that you can eat and if you're that's where all the holograms are so there's like a little stairway there's like a little arcade and your little hologram pals that are in the game right now will just be kind of dotted about but if you're in a match with friends you'll actually see their holograms running about the the area as as projected by what they're doing in their game and it was um it was really cool i really like that and i really like that it's not just instantly into the modes it's there's actually like an added little area where it's all contained and the training is a lot better as well because you can just instantly swap your weapon because i think in two every time you did that it would like load up again yeah uh, in two you could change weapons between matches but you had a very limited time yeah to do so I really like this addition that they've done because it, they've also done it in a way where it's like no loading screens, really. Mm -hmm. Like they're quite rare. It's a shame that you can't see uh, your friend's ink in that little training area though. Yeah. Yeah, it's still cute that you could just see them running around. If you put the camera like top down, you can see that they're like little Game & Watch flat textures, which is really cute. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really good addition. I think the lockers are in there as well when ah. uh, the full game releases. And it looked like there were some tables upstairs for the card game. Yes, yeah, I was thinking that. There was also a cool thing where when you're in the hub world at the start of the Splatfest, the, the new idols are on this like floating platform. Yeah. And then when it got when it got to like the halfway point when the tricolor thing started, it was like a different platform and it was stationary. And then they were perform they were like performing like their main song, which is kind of like what the previous game just they were always on the main platform. But I liked that it was like even progression like in the hub, and it just kind of got you really excited. There was all these there was just so many yeah. little details. I just so the, oh, the three of them loop around and they're actually one of them's the head, one of them's the body, one of them's the tail of I think a dragon. Yeah. And then it all combines into the one thing in the stage. It's awesome. It is, it is. And I like really all like the it. screens that they have around with like the the camera feed of the idols performing. Yeah. And the projectors. And they had a drone display in the sky of like all the Miiverse posts. Not really Miiverse, you know what I mean? Yeah, even the detail of how you pick your team instead of just going up to a screen, it's like a little jellyfish at like a, a merch stand like you would see at like yes. a football match or like a gig and I just that's how you pick it and I was like, Oh, that's really cute. I love that little detail because it's just like what you would do in real life kind of thing. And it's just oh I'm I can't wait two weeks. I'm too excited. <laughs> and all the little food stalls open up as well. Yes. Yeah. Do they still give you shirts with your team on yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're still temporary shirts make them permanent <laughs> so the new weapons i don't know did you try them i tried the the bow um did you hate it, it too was... yeah i i'm <laughs> i i didn't hate it i'm just bad with it i i i'm always no. the i use the dual handed and uh, things um and also because it had the special move where you're on a floaty shark which <laughs> and it explodes oh, yeah. and it's amazing so I just stuck with good old faithful that I always use, which is really boring. <laughs> I tried the bow. I couldn't get any kills with it. Um, like in a, in the heat of a battle, I just couldn't get a kill with it because it takes like five oh. shots to kill. 
and it's kind of slow in between shots and it requires a lot of aim it really wants you to charge the bow so that you shoot out the little uh sticky bombs from it and if you can't get that off then you're kind of dead <laughs> i didn't even try the split on i just knew i would be awful at it i'm usually I an arrow it. spray main but this time oh. around i went with the the brella the splat brella and I had a lot of fun with that. I really like the new um, special item that's like a drink vending machine and your yeah. whole team can like go through it and you get like um, different buffs. And I was like, oh, that's really, it's really clever. It just adds a lot more variety. I just, I yeah. had so much fun. I literally tried to play it for the whole time the demo was available by. <laughs> what rank did you get to? Um, is it Rock Ruler? Ola? Yeah, and maybe just, just the one up from that. Yeah, I got plus one as well. For scissors. Yeah. It is a bit of a shame that it the when you play it, it does say that nothing in this will carry on to your yeah. save file, which kind of was a bit of a bummer, but they must have had a reason for that. I'm still, I'm super, this is a cemented, um, and I'm very, very likely next payday going to maybe get the Splatoon Switch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I should talk about that. Yeah. I was at the mall with my friend and they wanted to go into Target. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then it was just sitting there on the shelf. <laughs> I could have said no. I could have said no, let's not go to Target. But I did. And uh, it was sitting on the shelf. And next thing I knew, I was outside of Target with a new Switch. It's really pretty. The uh, Joy-Cons are two-tone. So you've got like a, a blue to purple one on the left and a yellow to green one. And they match the colors of like the neon Joy-Cons that they have. Uh, and they got the print design on the front. And then on the back, they look like... The, the purple one looks like the underside of the Octoling tentacles. And the green one looks like the underside of the uh, squid ones. Uh, and it's just got that sort of graffiti sticker art and splats all over the back. And the dock is like a gray color with that same design and then like a giant neon yellow splat on it. If you have RGB lights like I do, if you set it to blue or purple, they just glow. It's incredible. Um, I didn't need it, but here, here we are. <laughs> was it like that moment in Wayne's world with the guitar and it was just Excalibur. like, ah, calling to you. <laughs> Trying to find a way to make it work. I'm selling my old one to afford this one. So I'm meant to be going on a trip soon. <laughs> it, it is, it's okay. Don't worry about it. To be fair, it. It, me it means you got extra Joy-Cons because your other ones might get drifts. So, you know, <laughs> it was a yeah, necessary true. purchase. I mean, I mostly play docked anyway. Because I'm actually going to be interstate when Splatoon 3 comes out. So I'm stealing my friend's TV. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Splatoon 3, I was already sold. And now I'm just super sold. <laughs> I don't know. I'm hype. Andrew's Andrew's out, but me and Sylvie can are so excited enough for like at least like ten people. <laughs> we gotta play Salmon Run when it comes out. And the amiibos. I keep forgetting the amiibos and that makes me even more excited. Oh yeah, they're at the uh, end of the year though. Because they haven't even told you what they can like do if if it's not just items. Because they're small fry and small fries in the single player. So I wonder if the amiibo maybe might add something to that. And never probably not. But I think it's just like you can take photos with them. So this will let you take photos with small fry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the other one as well. 
because it's like a fully robust photo mode in this one. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the Splatfest yeah. demo, but yeah, 10 out of 10, game of the year. <laughs> yeah. The 12 hours I played. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And I played the new indie release this week, Curse to Golf. It's a side-scrolling golf game. You play as a, the champ who is just about to win a golf tournament that will solidify them as the greatest golfer who has ever lived when they're suddenly struck by lightning and killed and sent to golf purgatory. Now, to escape golf purgatory, they have to win a magic golf course created by this monster called the Green Keeper. If they can conquer this course, which nobody has ever done before, then they can ascend and return back to life and go back to claim their trophy and their their title as the greatest golfer who has ever lived. Now, when I talked about this briefly last week, I said that this is a procedurally generated golf game. It's actually not. I had heard the game described as being like a roguelike, so I thought that means it's procedurally generated. It's not. The courses are randomly selected from a pool of pre-built courses, and there's quite a few of them, but they are not actually randomly constructed uh, as in a procedurally generated game. Uh, but it is structured like a roguelike, especially the those kinds where you begin at the bottom of a branching map at the bottom of the screen, and after you finish a course, then you, you pick where you go next, and you get some agency on what you want to happen. But I, I can pick one path that's a little easier, or I can pick another path that's harder but will give better rewards, that kind of thing. Now, the, the goal on each course isn't necessarily to make par. How par works in this game is since you're a cursed golfer, uh, you have a certain number of shots left before you're sucked back to the beginning of the course. You can increase your par score by hitting statues that are dotted along the course, so that that's where a lot of the challenge of the games comes from, is keeping your forward momentum going towards each course's hole while skillfully hitting the statues along the way. How shooting works in this is quite unusual compared to other golf games. Uh, you have your clubs, and much like in uh, Golf Club Wasteland last year, you only have a limited number of clubs you can choose from. You get a driver, you get an iron, and you get a wedge, and each has different ranges and different heights they hit at. Like the, the driver hits the furthest but has the lowest loft, so if there's any hills in your way, it, it's use is limited well on the other end of the spectrum your wedge can hit really high but doesn't travel very far so you just gotta strategically choose which club you're using to move through each course and, and over time i found like at the beginning of the course i was using my iron and my wedge a lot while later on i found i had to use the driver more even going over short distances just to get the distance that i needed uh, to get past all of the obstacles because the, the iron and the wedge just weren't getting me where I needed to be in spite of having a lot more control on where the ball is going to land. Now, how you shoot in this is quite different from other golf games, and it really threw me off at first. In other golf games, like especially Mario Golf, I think is probably the one most people are familiar with, or even PGA Golf, maybe. Uh, you choose where you want the ball to land, and it shows you like exactly the path it'll take, and it shows you in a grid the area that the ball will land in, and then 
you start your swing meter and the more accurately you select the different quadrants on the swing meter the closer to the center of that grid your ball will land curse to golf works completely differently <laughs> it actually has two swing meters uh, you input the power of your shot first which is very strange you activate the your your swing and much like in a swing meter in another game you time your your button press to have it appear somewhere along the meter and where it lands is the power of your shots and then the second part is where you actually angle your shot so it's like completely backwards but the other twist is the angle of your shot also works on a meter where it just keeps going up and down and up and down you have to time that button press as well to get the ball to hit where you want it to go so you you not only have to time your button press to get the ball power where you need it to go but also the angle your shot goes at it's a, it requires quite a bit more skill and quite a bit more effort some of it even seems kind of pointless because you can actually keep retrying your power shot as many times as you want it, when you get to the step where you input the angle you can just back out and re-input the power again i was thinking like if i could do that why don't you just let me manually select how powerful the shot is going to be but no it works on a button timing press uh, i was talking about this on twitter and actually the lead developer of this game he's been very open on twitter about his thought process about this he, he's not a fan of the mario golf style at all and he wanted to do his own thing here and he he talked through his philosophy i i don't want to say exactly what he his motivations were just based off of twitter exchanges because you know twitter is just a, a terrible uh, format for <laughs> explaining ideas in detail but he, he certainly has his own philosophy on what he wanted to do i think he he executed it here i definitely prefer the mario golf style because i i think it represents more skillful golf play like you know where you're you're planning where your shot wants to land and how accurate you are on the swing meter represents you know the form of your golf swing and how accurate your shot ends up landing that makes sense to me now liam edwards totally disagrees with that idea he thinks it doesn't represent skillful golf play at all and this he thinks represents the actual uh form of playing golf a lot better for me it just feels like a lot more of extra timing steps and i don't i don't like it but i've grown accustomed to it over time in addition to your standard shots you also get ace cards which you earn over the course of the game you get them like every few shots as a meter builds up and you can also earn money from completing holes and buy them from the pro shop you pass by every so often called eternity that's eternity with the uh, t-e-e -E, like a t t off it's a pun you can give the ball like different attributes like you can uh make it an ice ball so it'll freeze water and it'll just land on any water hazards you might land in or you can give it fire attributes so it'll burn away vines that might be in your way or what I found the most boring use of them is some of them just increase the number of shots that you can take before you uh, get a game over and have to start over from the first course. There are bosses every five holes, and they are pretty challenging because you have to beat them in a stroke play match. You have to beat them to the hole, and there are new stun statues you can hit along the way. 
that will make them lose a turn, and you really need those to keep up because they play almost flawlessly. There are obvious moments where they're giving you a mercy where they will just blatantly hit a ball into a hazard and make them lose that turn, but it's really the only way to keep up with them, so I'm not going to complain about that too much, even though it's it's pretty artificial that they're just giving you a chance to catch up when that happens. To win the game, you do have to finish all 18 holes in a single game, which is a big ask. That's quite a few hours to do that. You have to do it all successfully in one go. You only get one checkpoint through the entire game, and if you lose at any point uh, after using that one checkpoint, then you're going back to the start. And the furthest I've gotten has gotten to the third boss. Now, the nice thing is once you've beaten a boss, you don't have to beat them again. You do have to replay their course, but you don't have to play the boss again, which is like the one mercy. I think the game might be too hard for its own good. I think games have kind of gotten to a place where most of them are, are at a level where if you put in like the bare minimum amount of effort, you can beat them. Uh, this game is not like that. This game, you really have to push yourself and practice and keep playing to finish it because it, it is not nice and it, it shows no mercy that third boss I, I am nowhere near beating it my best run against her so far she was more than twice the course ahead of me <laughs> that level is just brutal really the best way to think about this game is it's like a platformer with golf based movement you're you're just playing a platformer where you move by hitting a golf ball rather than actually playing a real game of golf because holes can be as long as 30 strokes some of them are fairly short if you know what you're doing or if you know a good shortcut or if you use your ace cards really well most of them are quite long and this is not like any game of golf you've ever played before i think it's a, a cool game it's a cool idea i don't necessarily like everything they've done with it like the shot meter, like I would have preferred just a standard shot meter like is in, in every other golf game, but they did their own thing and it certainly works. Uh, I just, I wish it worked differently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one that's been on my eye for a while because I, I know somebody in the team who's very lovely. So I've heard about it for a while. I like the demo. I have a weird nitpick with it though, that they're one of the main, I don't know if it's like the first boss is a big like Scotsman character mm -hmm. uh, which boss, which which yeah. is which is funny I don't mind when people have like stereotypical Scottish people because golf is Scottish so I was like oh, okay uh, it's just the dialogue that I was like oh you can tell that absolutely no one mm. on the team is Scottish because it was like one it's not how a Scottish person would speak and I kind of wish they like hired a consultant and went all out and spoke in Scots because Scots is actually um oh. it's is a is an official language it's not just like an accent like a lot of people think um so I wish they went all out because I think that would have added a lot of more charm to it and it kind of annoys me that even after the demo they didn't but hey <laughs> maybe we'll see a, a Scots character yeah. in another golf game <laughs> I was wondering what you were referring to because like the Scotsman has like no discernible Scottish attributes aside from wearing a kilt. But like, if you looked at his dialogue, he's just got he's got dialogue. <laughs> no, there's like yeah. he does say the odd um, Scots word. Does he now? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's uh, like what um, it's like one or two per sentence. It's not whereas if you were hmm. Scots, you would speak Scots. It's not how a Scottish person in any area of Scotland would speak. You wouldn't say like, 
I and then speak speak like English. You just usually uh, it's it's like I, a, I, I'm I'm actually scrolling through my gameplay footage right now, looking at all the Scotsman's dialogue. I I don't see any of this. I think they changed it from the demo. Oh, that's even just, worse then. <laughs> he just has really straightforward dialogue. Like, good, land your tee shot here and let's continue. That's a line. Okay, here here he says har har. Oh, we won. Okay. Maybe. We yeah, so we, we, we is a Scots word to mean like small. Yeah. So um it just feels like they could have added more charm by either going all out or just making just just hire consultants if you're gonna have a character that's from a specific place, especially if your game is set around a sport from said specific place. <laughs> that's my only nitpick. <laughs> yeah, he calls the golfer Wee One. That's the only Scottish thing I can really see yeah. on him. It's a shame because there's lots of funny, cool Scots words that a lot of people, unless you're here, might not know about. So maybe I just need to make a game where it's all in Scots or something. <laughs> you got to do it yourself a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Would you have been happier if you just talked like Willie, though? <laughs> no, that's not Scots. Well, actually, yeah. hey. uh, there's some bits and there's some bits that are in Scots. It's very weird. Um, Willie's like a weird thing. I think I've spoken over it before, where it's like mm. ugh, stereotype, but also everybody here likes them because it's like one of the only representations <laughs> we have. So it's like, eh. I just I've been like more of a champion of like Scots and things because I I find the actual language of it really interesting, and I want to be fluent myself because I'm I'm not. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just wish you went all out. Um, maybe another golf game will one day. But me. Yeah. Well, if you make it, we'll play it. Yep. So let's move on to what we're playing this week. Uh, Rosalie, let's start with you. Uh, I'm playing My Lovely Wife, which is a horror idol simulation game. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Sylvia, how about you? So I'm almost finished with my playthrough of Splatoon 2's campaign, and I want to move on to a replay of Octo Expansion. <laughs> it's my hyper obsession right now. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll be looking at the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection. Way too many games in there for me to talk about it in depth, but I'll probably... Uh, do a quick overview of everything that's in there, and I'll probably really focus more on the arcade games because those are the ones I really want to play. So those arcade beat 'em ups. After I played Shredder's Revenge in June, I was like, I really want to play those games now. So <laughs> I pre-ordered the Cowabunga Collection. <laughs> so tune in next week for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of N Focus. If you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also make sure to check out our sister shows, Playstate and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GameBodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GameBodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all of these are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically or his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at Stew2, S-T-W-T-W-O. 
or on twitch.tv forward slash sylvietory. And Rosalie, you can follow on Twitter at lilrecordgirl, L-I-L recordgirl.
No stairway. Denied. 